This talk was given by Ronald Hogan Green Sensei at Zen Mountain Monastery. Hogan Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order and the co-director of the Zen Center of New York City. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation, please visit our website at zmm.mro.org donate. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon on this beautiful spring day with a wonderful breeze coming into the Zendo that I hope enlivens all of us. This is case number 52 from the Book of Equanimity, Kaushan's Reality Body. The introduction. Those who have wisdom can understand by means of metaphor. If you come to where there is no possibility of comparison or similitude, how can you explain it to them? The main case. Kaushana asked Elder D, the Buddha's true reality body is like space. It manifests in response to beings, like the moon and the water. How can this principle of conforming be expressed? Elder D said, it's like a donkey looking in a well. Kaushan said, you've said a lot indeed, but you've only said 80%. D said, what about you, teacher? Kaushan said, it's like the well looking at the donkey. It's a verse. Donkey looks at the well. Well looks at the donkey. Wisdom is all embracing. Purity pervades with abundance. Behind the elbow, who discerns the seal? In the house, no books are kept. The loom threads aren't strung, the work of the shuttle, the pattern going vertically and horizontally. The meaning is clear of itself. I uh, relate to this koan. As I've said a number of times, I live part-time on a farm. And um, when I'm there in the morning, um, I don't deal with donkeys, but I deal with cows. And each morning, I bring water and feed uh, to the critters and each evening. Of course, they know exactly what's going on. And they come up to the fence with their big, big brown eyes and they look at you. And um, you know these, these, you've seen films or pictures of you know when the whale looks at you with that eye of vast intelligence. I don't think this is vast intelligence, but it certainly is looking at you and directly seeing you. We practice, we sit, to encounter our true nature. Our true nature is empty of any characteristic. And because of this, each and every particle, just as it is, manifests its true nature in its own uniqueness. So we sit sazen. We practice letting go of our body and mind. And in doing so, we're practicing our true being as this self, as this self. So it's not theoretical, it's as this self. To begin to have some sense of the trueness out of our own experience can take some time, and that time can be undefinable. Each of us has our own karma and uh, 
our own journey uh, so that our mind can begin to settle down. We're not used to stopping. And in just stopping, is, is this just being? But even the term being is a bit misleading because it implies that there's something we should be doing or something we should not be doing as our being. And our true nature, of course, does not fall into being or not being. From the practice perspective, we're looking closely with hopefully a clear intent and as much concentration as we can muster to simply be the breath, be moved, be aware without any conceptual analysis. That's challenging. And yet you can't push away conceptual analysis because that just empowers it. The pushing itself is more conceptual analysis. Because this can be foreign to our discursive mind, it takes time sometimes for us to even settle in a sense to a sense of depth to moments of deep stillness. And it takes time for us to learn how to cultivate a willingness to be less involved in thoughts. And so Zazen teaches us how to do that. It, it's, it, it seems like our thoughts are bottomless and they will never stop. And yet, we are, if we're practicing, we are cultivating a skill of how to actually learn to let go, to be less involved, to not measure. So Kaoshan says the Buddha's, by the way, Kaoshan is one of the founders of uh, Soto Zen. It's one of our ancestors. Uh, Japanese, um, Sozan, and Tozan, So, To. So his teaching in this koan comes right to us through our lineage. So Kaoshan says, the Buddha's true reality body is like space. It manifests a response to beings like the moon and the water manifesting in response to beings. If the moon is a gibbous moon, then that's what appears in the water. If the moon is a full moon, that's what's manifested. Since the Dharmakaya is boundless, like space, as Kaushan says, how we manifest our life is how our life goes exactly as the moon is reflected in the water. It's a simple statement. Yet the Dharmakaya appears 
The Dharmakaya is the vast, boundless emptiness of reality. The Dharmakaya appears as we manifest it, personally. It's very personal. As we see it, as we speak it, as we think it, in any of the myriad ways that we experience it. Because this is so, because the Dharmakaya is manifesting in our very actions and thoughts, in our senses, when we examine something, anything, carefully, deeply, and again, that's the cultivation that we're doing here, examine it just as it is, we will arrive at the emptiness of all things. We will. This is the ultimate nature of all things. This is your nature, the nature of anything. You, me, thoughts, feelings, donkeys, wells, on all that we hold to be fixed and permanent by habit, profoundly cultivated habit. And so this is why we study. We study starting here, ourself, to see that we, as, all, as well as all things, are the boundless dharmakaya, empty of thingness and thus boundless, no boundary. So if there's no boundary, where's the beginning and where's the end? As we practice, we begin to get some sense of the impermanent nature of things. In other words, as we study them, we see. We see our thoughts coming and going. Every thought we have goes. Every feeling we have goes. Every assessment, every judgment comes and goes. Now we can work hard to fix them and to habituate them. But as we study, we can begin to see how painful that is. In a way, how stupid that is. So we study. We chant the Heart Sutra. And we encounter our thoughts and feelings. And as we go deeper into our very sense of who we think we are, we begin to experience that we as a being are empty. That although we can fix ourselves, there is no fixed self. And sitting brings us face to face, entwining as this body and as this mind no body, no mind. Using this very body and mind to see when all is said and done and all thoughts are let go of. No body, no mind.
And you know, it's kind of interesting that this examination that we do, Zazen, is within the relative world, with our body and with our mind. That's obviously the only tools we have to examine it. I mean, you can't examine something in the absolute world because there's no one and nothing to examine. Which already is hinting about something about relationship. Is there relationship fundamentally or is there not relationship fundamentally? So in our study of the relative, our thoughts, and in the letting go of each relative object, letting our thoughts go, we come to realize, experience absolute truth. We may not know that. We may have some sense of it. If there's a moment of a breakthrough, that clearly makes an impression on us. But also, in the subtlety of Zazen, it is so gradual and careful that we, we don't even summon thoughts about it. It just becomes us. In a way, when we work single-mindedly in a practice, we realize that we are the universe. We can realize that. That's Mu. And we, when we work in an open and boundless way, we realize that the universe becomes us. Is there a difference between the two? There's different ways to think of it. But I'm not sure there's any difference between the two whatsoever. So we say the relative form is emptiness, and emptiness is the relative form. Of course, along the way we face and often get caught up in a lot of stuff. So that's what we encounter in Sushina stuff, right? The endless stuff, which seems to be bottomless, and seems like we're slogging sometimes through molasses 10 yards deep. When, I, uh, when it rains a lot during the winter, we have to have the cows penned uh, because they'll ruin the fields in the winter. And it gets really muddy, really muddy. And I might add, it's not just mud. <laughs> and um, even though I wear uh, very high waders, which pretty form fit, they'll Take it right off, if I'm not careful. And there you are in your sock, 
<laughs> in a foot of mud. <laughs> and, you know, there's that moment of absolute horror. And then you realize, this is where I am. And you let it go. Because really, you have no choice. <laughs> and, you know, there are 1,500-pound critters around you who are very interested in you because you know they bring their food. You never carry food into the pen, by the way. Uh, you'll do it once, and you will never do it again. <laughs> so in that moment, the relative form is emptiness. But I'm not thinking emptiness. What I'm thinking is complete acceptance. I'm not even thinking that. I'm just being that. Because I have to. But I started to say along the way we get caught up in our random noise and our karmic intent entanglements. And the longer I go in this practice, the more respect I have for my karma, for my parents' karma, for your karma that affects me. My, my karma affecting you, well, that's your problem. But, you know. Um, and we, you know, our fears, our desires, and of course, just the random firing of our, what I call our stupid stuff, right? The stuff that we used kind of not to be present, but it's, you know, it's, it's the clickbait of our mind. Um, but if we persist, we do encounter what the Heart's Sutra speaks of, of the emptiness of all beings, things, thoughts, feelings, and ourself. And we begin to see that the implication of this, as we continue to practice this and revisit it, so to speak, although each visit is the first visit, the depth of our zazen, we begin to see implications in our life way beyond what we might have thought. And that's the subtle shift that this cone is speaking of. Kaoshan asks Elder D, the Buddha's true reality body is like space. It manifests in response to beings like the moon and the water. How can this principle of conforming be expressed? The, true, the Buddha's true reality body, the pure Dharmakaya, is the absolute basis of reality. Kaoshan is asking the monastic to bring forth how the absolute basis of reality responds to beings, to this world of things, to this world of suffering and happiness and war. And it's an important question because what good is all this unless it manifests in your life? How does it respond in your, how do you respond in your life? to your zazen, you're cultivating emptiness. You're cultivating the experience of emptiness. You're cultivating direct, I mean direct experience, the, the words are awkward, but you're cultivating you, yourself, your own Buddha nature. 
you know, practice to be meaningful has to pass the real life test. It has to in some way direct your life to a kinder and more open, more heartfelt way of living in relationship. I don't mean in your own little world of self-concern and getting what I want. And beyond the kindness and responsiveness that sitting zazen can help us with, we are actually seeing into the true nature of relationship itself. Relationship with someone, something, anything. And so we study, study the space between our, our cultivation and what that space is between whatever phenomenon we're encountering. Until we awaken to no gap whatsoever, no space. Until we realize that, which may not even be an event. It may seep into our bones, that realization. And from this realization, which is ongoing, because our, our relationships are ongoing and continual, so having had some insight into a given relationship, I, I was in a meeting with Roshi earlier, and I, we, we were talking, we now have four teachers, and there's some challenges in splitting up who sees what, and so on and so forth. But the fundamental understanding is that we are a team. We are a team. And of course, this team just does not mean the four of us. It's the whole Sangha. And each person in the Sangha and each kind of level of the Sangha is real and there. And yet we are a Sangha. We are a team. And that is what, as I sometimes feel and say, makes this place the magic kingdom. Now, that may be arrogant and boastful. I, I don't know. But that's how I experience the MRO. Hopefully, wherever people practice, they experience their center that way. When we don't relate to relationship, don't explore its basis, we're perpetuating suffering. There's separation there. That's really one Buddhist definition of evil, of harm. So the head monastic, in response to the question, said it's like a donkey looking at a well. Well, here it is. Emptiness coming forth as form. We do that all the time, don't we? It's like you looking at the floor, me looking at the sky. It's like hearing the sound of the wind, or a cow, big brown eye looking at my eye. 
I was in my room yesterday, and my room has a, a small window which looks out on um, a beam, a cross beam, that's part of the building support. And it's only a couple of feet from the window, and the window's open. There's a, a screen. And it's, the pigeons are there. And I saw something I've never seen before. There was a big male pigeon with his big neck, big maleness. And there was a more petite, obviously female pigeon next to him. And the female pigeon, and you know, they have very strong wings. They, they can fly very fast. The female pigeon was taking one wing and going whack, 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 whack on the back of the male pigeon. And I was flabbergasted. You know, what is going on here? And, and hard, whack, 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 whack. And, and I'm looking in amazement and I'm coming even closer. So it's, it's like this, this distance, but there's a screen between us, I'm not making a sound. And she's really doing it. Uh, and it, I, I felt, at first I felt invasive, that I was witnessing a very intimate pigeon moment. <laughs> um, and then I felt privileged to, to see this relationship. But I was missing something, because the male flew off at some point, and the female cocked its head and looked back right at me. <laughs> with its little red eye. You know, they have these red eyes. You know, with, and somehow the cocked head really said something. And I said, oh, I, I actually voiced. I said, oh, thank you. And she looked away and that, you know. So I don't know what that was, but I felt privileged and included. I felt I belonged to the pigeon congregation, sangha. Where was I? <laughs> so endless forms, endless beings, this world of phenomena. Whether we are seeing a well with the mind of pristine clarity, or just casually looking at the well It's just as it is, whole and complete, independent of our awareness, our practice. There's no lack there. But in terms of our life, our separation from our life, it makes a huge difference whether we're seeing it clearly or not. Fundamentally, either way, it's fine. But it's very different in your life, how you see it. Can we just look, just hear, just think, so that the action does not fall into me doing it? There is seeing, there are thoughts. Yet this does not have to be me looking and a thing seen, a thinker thinking. In the transmission of the light, Kazan speaks 
manifesting according to circumstances without falling into thought. Manifesting, how does the Dharmakaya manifest? Manifest according to circumstances without falling into thought. Which doesn't mean there is no thought. Please understand what falling into means. So when Kaoshan asks Elder D, the Buddha's true reality body is like space, it manifests in response to beings, like the moon and the water. How can this principle of conforming be expressed? In effect, just as it is. There's not much more else to say. It's just as it is. And I can sometimes feel myself when every morning and every evening she looks at me with that big brown eye and I look at her and I do my best to let it be just as it is. Just as it is. Even if we look at the well or the cow from the mind of duality, still it's just as it is. If we look at the well from the mind of non-duality, still it's just as it is. Realizing it or not, the Buddha's true reality body is manifesting. And as I said, yet it matters, matters a lot if we're seeing it with a true Dharma eye. It's the point of practice, and it is a practice. It's not an accomplishment, it's a practice to see with the true Dharma eye, meaning we're empowered to practice. We can see the thought that we're sinking into and with awareness of that, let it be, and come back to the true manifestation of reality. Not as a thought, There's an absolute perspective that is alive and fully feel, fills this relative world. So Kaushan says, you've said a lot indeed, but you've only said 80%. Elder D, who is an elder, says, comes right back. What about you, teacher? Kaushan says, it's like the well looking at the donkey. <laughs> it's like the well looking at the donkey. Why the heck does Zen do this? You know, we're following a koan, it makes sense, and all of a sudden, it's like the well doing, looking at the donkey. What does this possibly point to? In the introduction, it says, those who have wisdom can understand by means of metaphors. If you come to where there is no possibility of comparison or similitude, how can you explain it to them? How can you explain this? And then, just to pile it on, Dogen adds to this in the 37 conditions favorable to enlightenment. This is not just the donkey looking at the well, but also the donkey looking at the donkey, the well looking at the well, beings looking at beings, 
mountains looking at mountains. They are unified and inseparable. And when Dogen talks in those terms, you should understand that he's going back and forth from the relative and absolute. He's inviting us not to understand the relative and absolute mountain or the relative and absolute donkey, but to see into it, to see into it from the basis of no thing coming forth as thing. Daito Roshi commenting on Dogen's words said, he's speaking of the interpenetration of all things, the codependency and mutual causality that permeates the diamond net of Indra. Kaushan is pointing to you realizing your being as a reflection of every other being, every other particle, every other thing in this universe, every other thing in this universe. Not as a diminishment of yourself, but as an expression of who you truly are. And I feel extraordinarily privileged to have practiced here long enough to see, I know this is happening with myself, but I can't have any sense of that, but to see people, practitioners, realizing this, realizing in relationship that this team and much more than that, is totally interpenetrated, unified and ins inseparable. And independent of how we may feel or react at a given time, this is the fundamental truth. And that space between independent of how we feel and may react at a given time, and the fundamental truth is what we practice, of course. Not judge, not make into something else, but practice. See it clearly, own it, let it go, let it be, and learn. In this expression of true compassion of our heart, we are now able to express how we see ourselves in relationship to one another. We're able to express that. We express it not by saying it, but how we act, and ultimately how we think. Maybe those two things should be reversed. The verse, the donkey looks at the well, the well looks at the donkey. Wisdom is all pervading. Purity pervades with abundance. Behind the elbow, who discerns the seal? In the house, no books are kept. The loom threads aren't strung, the work of the shuttle. The pattern goes vertically and horizontally. The meaning is clear of itself. Wisdom of its all pervading, purity pervades with abundance. The donkey looks at the well. 
The well looks at the donkey. Wisdom is all pervading. Purity pervades with abundance. Right there is the whole thing. Dogen takes up this koan in relation to not creating evil, the first pure precept. He says, evil can only exist by being created. Otherwise, it's not present. If wisdom is all-pervading and purity pervades with abundance, how can evil possibly exist? We have to create it. We have to create separation. We have to make it our home in any given moment. And because we create it, we can practice uncreating it. It's, it's never hopeless from the perspective of the Dharma. Never, ever, ever. No matter how you may feel at any given moment, depressed, tired, angry, reactive, numb, it's not over if you keep going. When you create separation, you create a very small sense of your being, very tiny, just this little being, kind of lonely. Yet in seeing this separation clearly for yourself, your wisdom already is all-pervading, just in the seeing, just in the practicing it, because reality is all-embracing. And even if you have not yet clearly seen this for yourself, purity pervades with abundance. And sometimes you have to rely just in your desperation and faith in that, when our emotions are that energetic. But also, you're probably relying on experience in that we've had emotions, negative emotions that hurt before. And they've passed. We've been crazy before, and now, and then we became sane. And it's probably going to happen again. But our experience tells us to stay, stay, stay. And we can practice this simply by attending to our own mind in the moment. We don't want to do that. We want to jump on the horse of the energy that fuels our anger or fear or sense of littleness. But we can practice it. Behind the elbow, who discerns the seal? In the house, no books are kept. What is behind the elbow? The seal. It's an old Chinese story that hidden under the elbow is a seal. I don't mean a erf, erf, erf. <laughs> and this is what we should discern. The relative and absolute perspective of yourself in this one body, relating to all other bodies, manifesting the pure dharmakaya,
What's behind that seal is the clarity that everything I do matters because all that I do, I do with you, as you, and yet I am here. And the same, that's the same seal that each of us has to realize. All that I do, I do with you, as you, and yet here I am. In the house, no books are kept. There's no words that reach, no magic book. It's just you. But understand, when you take the seat of Zazen and look with determination, no matter what you feel, all of you are sitting. Not just the parts we think of, all of you. Think of what I've spoken of as all of you in this talk. All of you. Not just your body parts and mind parts. Not just the parts we can think of, but the 20% we cannot measure. Heck, does Kaoshan's answer measure 100%? I don't think so. He's offering a teaching. And when a teacher offers a teaching like that, it sparks sometimes. And it opens something up. And yet there's more. In the house, no books are kept. The loom threads aren't strung, the work of the shuttle. In this house, no books are kept. Can't possibly kept be kept. There's no way to separate. There's no possible accounting for the well, for the donkey, for you and I. The loom threads aren't strung, the work of the shuttle. The pattern going vertically and horizontally, the meaning is clear of itself. Actually, your effort here is clear of itself clear in itself, just that effort, that's enough. Completely interwoven the work of the shuttle, our work, our practice, our awakening. One whole body, one whole team, one whole body. You can't separate them out. So what does this koan have to do with you? And this is Shin, right here, right now. We're each practicing sitting. We each are the donkey looking at this is Shin. Is this a Shin looking at you? Pick up a piece of this is Shin, any piece, doesn't matter. Say, Water. Can't have a session without water, right? It's in the food, we have to drink it. As it gets warmer, we have to attend to that. So it's essential. So the water we drink comes through the faucet, right? Through the pipes. Where does it come from there? Well, there's a spring up in the hills. 
So the spring goes into the ground, produces the water. Well, what has the water get in the spring? Well, it rained Monday, Tuesday. It rained and came into the spring, down the pipes, to your faucet, to your food that you peed out someplace along the line, and so it goes. And that rain, where did that come from? H2O. You can see where this is going, right? Where does hydrogen and oxygen come from? How do you separate this out, this water that you're drinking? How do you tease it apart? The Buddha's true reality body is like space. It manifests a response to being. How can this principle of conforming be expressed? Certainly expressed in the water. Do we see that? Do we understand it not just as something intellectual, but that wherever our eye fall, falls, that is the conforming of the principle? This is Shen that you're participating in. It sits where you sit. It walks where you walk. It speaks when you speak. True for you. True for each of us. What is before us is completely revealed. You're expressing it now. Again, it is completely you. And yet, you are completely it. It is you, and you are it. It's a whole body. Fundamentally, there's no problem. It's really that simple. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at zmm.mro.org.